Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Tuesday. Welcome to another round of The Breakdown. I'm pretty pumped today. It's been a while, but I got Brian versus the books back with me. How you doing, man? I feel like it's been forever, and I think it has been forever, actually. It's, it's been a little I, while, but you've been a busy man. I forget, yeah. I'm, you know it's because I'm wearing my uh, Phillies jersey. That's how long it is, because we're back <laughs> to like baseball. That's crazy. There was definitely no baseball uh, last time we were talking, yeah. or, or even like certainty of having it the last time we yeah, talked. Yeah, so. there, was, there was not even like a glimpse of if it was ever going to be a thing. Yep, absolutely. Well, hey, man, let's jump into these games. I know it's a short slate. We'll talk a little bit at the end, too, about some of the, the fun stuff you've been doing on Twitter. But let's, uh, let's talk through these games first. Uh, first up, we have the Grizzlies at the Pacers. Memphis is minus seven and a half, and the total right now is at 233 and a half. Uh, what are your thoughts when you're looking at this game? Um, see, this is one too where like this is the one game where I think um, what was it there 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 was some injury news last night too with um, Morant is doubtful. Yeah, Morant is now doubtful, and it's like yep. it's interesting where there's no blinds in this game, and you don't even know who's going to be in, which is a kind of a crazy like I I haven't like really capped this game at all because the lineups could be anything like it really. Like, I don't know if you have anything for this game, but yeah, I don't even know who's starting. Like, <laughs> right. Who's, well, because Dylan Brooks should be back, so he's likely starting. Um, who tends to uh, chuck a lot when Morant's not in there. Well, maybe anytime. But And then, honestly, Indiana has a bunch of people who are game-time decisions, too. Brogdon, Duarte, Batadze, all those guys are game-time decisions. So yeah. the, the one thing I'll share that I thought was interesting, so this is one of those funny things with – numbers sometimes as you know like John Morant's been amazing and yeah. Memphis is better because they have him but if you look at just the numbers their offensive rating this year with him is 114.3 without him it's 116.5 so two yeah. better without him than with him and then this is the big one defensive rating with Morant 112.2 without Morant 100 so 12.2 different in defensive rating when he's now again, I'm not saying it's going to hold exactly, but I just think the, the value of John Morant in a one, two, three game sample, I do think can be overstated. No. Yeah. I, I get that a lot. And also I haven't like broke down the whole numbers yet, but I imagine the pace has got to be slower as well. Cause the way that guy flies around the court, I'd imagine like, I don't know if you know what the pace is it's like. In one, yeah. Yeah. So it's 1.2 slower. Okay, so not much slower. Okay, that's yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was just wondering, like, from just like a casual watch him fly, like. Oh stay. yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It so does like, feel that way for sure. Yeah. So the, the, this is a game where I really don't have much on. I'm not sure if you wanted to like had anything on it, um, because I can't really have much on it because there are zero props available. So <laughs> that makes it harder. <laughs> as a prop guy, it's very hard to like break down of slate when there's like I think there's. I think DraftKings just added them at like 11, my friend said, and it's all just Pacers uh, ones. There's no – because okay. Tom Rance thing is. Okay. I'll be interested to see what you come up with later today because I do think jobbing out definitely opens up a lot of usage. So yeah. um, that'll be interesting. The fact that doubtful is always funny because, like, whenever you see doubtful, it's – it's like, oh, he's not playing. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, 10 minutes before the game, you'll get, like, an underdog alert. Totally. Yeah, John Morant plans to be active, and it's like, well, that sucks. Uh... Yep, totally. Yeah, man, I so on this game, like, and I could could share a bunch of numbers, but really, like, what we know is Indiana has played a lot of high-scoring games. They're terrible on defense uh, since the trade. 
and since the all-star break and they're okay on offense actually they tend to just play a lot of high scoring games so in this one i actually did play the over and then after i did my full analysis i was like ah shit i don't know about like i, I kind of capped it around 233 yeah. so i'm like right on the line but yeah. anyway I'd, i had already bet it at that point and i yeah. don't I don't hate Memphis here either. Like I actually think they should beat Indiana by 10. Yeah. Um, they've just been a little less trustworthy in the last couple of weeks than they were before. Yeah, that, yeah. I and like, this is one of those games that's like a four game slate, which I'm happy about. Cause I feel like the, the NBA needs to figure out their whole, whatever they'll have like 16 games and then two. And it just like, you see like a four to six game slate. And I, and I always think, man, if I could just break down the props of a four to six game slate every day, it'd be a blessing. And then you have, <laughs> yeah. you see St. Patrick's day where St. Patrick's is one game. It's the Pistons magic, like the worst game in the entire world. Like, I mean, good for Vegas because they're going to go from zero props taken on that game to like, a, like a, like all the props. Like, like that's right. Every that, single player. That game was on a seven game slate. I guarantee you everyone's just skipping over it in their like betting, whatever. But that game, Oh, there's going to be a lot of volume on that game now for no reason. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, we'll uh, we'll watch uh, what you come up with later in the day on that one. Next up, we'll do the Nets at the Magic. Brooklyn minus 9.5, 232.5 total. Obviously, this is away, so it is a Kyrie can play game. What yeah, do you which, think about this one? So, honestly, um, <laughs> I don't ever ban players or this, this or that, but – I am very wary of the Nets because unless your name is Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, your minutes could be between one and forty-eight. Um, <laughs> so, so that's that's like one thing to keep in mind. But one of the interesting guys I was looking at, I haven't taken anything in this game yet, but I was looking at Andre Drummond, um, who is like one of the one of the more volatile like people in terms of is he going to play or is he not going to play, but. His like his split since he's leaving Philly to go to Brooklyn, I mean they they've all increased. So in Philly, he was averaging eighteen point four minutes a game. Um, Brooklyn, he's up to twenty one point six. So what's that? Three more minutes. Three more minutes is a lot of time. Um, points. His points from Philly have, have gone from six point one to ten point seven, and he's averaging um, what was it point uh, point eight more rebounds a game. So he's averaging twenty one points slash rebounds per wow. game. For the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and this is an interesting matchup because you get the Orlando Magic that run the uh, Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba, um, the two centers. So what I like to look at is a team like the um, Magic and the uh, Timberwolves are like my favorite target spot sometimes because they run two bigs, but they also can't rebound well. Like, like not saying that Wendell Carter is a bad rebounder. I'm not saying that at all. He's actually an excellent player. I like Wendell Carter a lot. But it's interesting that the rebound, the Timberwolves and the Magic's rebound rate is so poor compared to the rest of the league, despite people thinking, oh, they got two centers. They're going to, like, grab every rebound, of course. Um, but the reason they I target them a lot is because you have to match up with their size. So if you have a guy like Andre Drummond, you need him out there to match up with that, you know, two center lineup. But that combined with the bad rebound rate puts him in a good position where in games on the nets where he's seen 23 or more minutes, he's over this 21 and a half point slash rebound line, four of those five. Um, and the games he played 23 plus minutes were the Knicks, Knicks and Milwaukee. That's three of them, right? So that's kind of that whole, you got to match up with their bigs. 
And then Charlotte, for some reason, because apparently they're worried about Mason Plumley. I don't know about that right, one. Right. I know that's a weird one. That's a weird one. And then um, the Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah. yeah. So, but that was also his first game. So I, I wonder if they were just trying to give him a run in a game that's against, you know, the Kings. Um, and then the games he's under 20 minutes are Miami, Washington, Toronto, and Boston. Boston, he had some foul trouble. But yeah, if you think of like Washington, um, post Trez and Toronto, two smaller clubs, um, two smaller teams. So the minutes could be there in a game where he has to match up with that size. So he was one I was looking at uh, for sure. Yeah, man, I like that. Yeah. Well, and even the he was under that in the Philly game too. But I like other people watched that game and he just got into foul trouble there. So that was why he got cut down in that yeah, game. Yeah, I mean that was a bad game for me as a as a Sixers fan, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was in foul trouble early, but I actually had his under in that game because I okay. I figured he was going to get into foul trouble with Joel Embiid. Um, mm-hmm. And he actually gave me a scare, not really, because he only had like three sets a half, but his run in the third quarter gave me a little bit of a scare because he was grabbing, I think he grabbed like five boards and like he put three putbacks in, in like that third quarter. And he never like got there because of the blowout, but I was watching that with my friend and I was like, dude, is he going to like, like somehow backdoor this? Because... We were at half thinking, okay, we're getting blown out, and he's already at, like, three stats. But, yeah, yep. so. Yeah, man, another thing I like, like, you know, I'm not the prop guy, and I'm really upfront about saying that. Though I've been, like, looking at stuff more because it's intriguing. But the other thing that's interesting with him is he does have some games where he really pops off. Like, since he came to Brooklyn, he's got 11 twice, 17, 20, 18 in terms of points, and then rebounds 10, 14, 12. So, like – he can go big, kind of, you know? Yeah, he, he can go off. I mean, <laughs> I, I've watched him enough uh, this season in, uh, in Philly, too, where he can have these games where he'll play 12 minutes and he'll get 13 boards and just, like, he vacuums them up. I mean, there's some yep. center in the league that I classify him with um, him, you, the old-school Clint Capella, like JaVale McGee. There, there's some, some guys – that just are so at the rim 24-7, just like planted there like like, like, a, like a tree, that they just grab every board and they just vacuum him up. He's one of those guys where he really, if he gets into a groove and you're missing shots, and the Magic are pretty good at missing shots. So that's one right there where he could have a big game, but then you have to worry about, you know, is he going to play? But the trends of him mashing up big to big are definitely there, which is kind of why I'm looking at him today. It's great. I like it. In terms of uh, like sides or total, actually one of my favorite bet. I don't have tons of bets I love today, to be honest, but my, one of my favorites is the under in this game. And it's because if you look, Orlando's actually been playing decent lately. Like their, mar- uh, I had it somewhere here, their margin of victory or loss, eight, six, lost by three, lost one by 28. So that's huge. But yeah. one by six, 16, eight. So they're five and five in their last 10. And even the games they're losing outside of that one game have all been close. And I can definitely see this being a letdown spot for Brooklyn, too, against not a very good team after some of the big games they've just had. The so magic, magic hang around. Like, I think they we do. Talked, I think we talked about this last time I was on the show. It was like some teams like the Magic and Rockets, they might not cover a spread. Actually, it was the Magic we were talking about because that was a game against Philly where they were winning the whole game. And then they blew it at the end. So there's some teams that are perfect. Yeah. Even in a 10 game, 10 point spread, they can hang around a lot. And yeah. I don't have a conspiracy theory here, but I swear there's some there's some games, man, where you see these teams that are clearly like flopping or tanking or whatever it is that you will you'll see them like last night with the um Thunder. 
the Thunder were up like what 20, 20 points to like the, the first board? quarter, yeah. Yeah, and then all, yeah. all of a sudden they're just like, oh, we lost by thirty. Like, I guess we're yep. pick. like I'm not saying that, but it's just like it's kind of interesting that like sometimes near the end of the year you'll see teams be competitive for the first half and then take their loss, get closer to the lottery, and then move on. Yeah. 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 And that's where the, the spread here, I actually, if anything would like the magic on this spread, but it's harder to play it, but I just can really see this being like Orlando's not scoring more than like one Oh two to one Oh eight most of the time. And I can see Brooklyn just kind of coasting and winning this game, like one thirteen or one fifteen to one Oh five, you know, like they win, but it's not a blowout. And at two thirty two and a half, I do think there's a little value on the under for this game. No, I, I get that. And then um, we also kind of mentioned the Kyrie thing, which is uh, interesting enough. Um, Drummond sees more minutes with Kyrie. I forgot to mention that. For some reason, in, in the four games with Kyrie, he's seen 29, 24, 17, 21. So that's kind of a cool like tidbit. Um, because like with Kyrie in, it's kind of funny because even um, I mentioned, unless your name is Kyrie or Kevin Durant, like you're not going to see minutes. Kevin Durant's points line is 28 and a half, which at first I was shocked to see it below that 29, 30 and a half. But then I, then I checked um, in three of his last nine games and four of his last 10 games, he's over 28 and a half and four of his last 10. Um, but three of them were, were with no Kyrie. So that's interesting to think about. So 28 and a half. So four out of 10 on paper is even like a lot of red, but three of those games, he didn't have Kyrie in the lineup. So I mean, that's that's like one out of the last seven games he's gone over that with Kyrie in the lineup. So I'm not sure if I'm the guy that's going to get roasted on Twitter for taking a Kevin Durant under when he drops 60 tonight, but that's just like an interesting thing. <laughs> I think there's sometimes you can find good trends, good numbers, where I won't put the under, but I sure as hell won't like try to play the over thinking that it's Kevin Durant. Exactly. Yeah, yep. so th- there's – um. Do you know what his assist line is? Um, I can check real quick. His assist. I'm just trying to pull it up here too. Six and a half. Six and a half. Just that was something that I had heard pointed out before is that he actually tends to have more assists when he plays with Kyrie as well. And I was just looking back at the games and it's like seven, seven, eight, nine, five in the last five games. So he is turning into quite the, uh, like quite the, like PRA, like monster. Yeah like the craziest things um and i know you're like sometimes you ride like the um some like fun parlays and i'm not sure yeah. but um i was looking into like plus 300 for uh, wendell carter and andre drummond to have double doubles like each nice so that's, that's what i might sprinkle on only because wendell carter has a double double has like 10 plus rebounds in nine of his last 10 games and wow. i think i think you were getting it his his over 10 and a half rebounds is plus I think one plus one fifteen I think it's he's getting great odds for someone that has seven rebounds in his last he has eleven plus rebounds in seven of his last ten games, but he had horrible success versus the Nets so far this year against the Nets. Wendell Carter has grabbed five and nine rebounds, but he's only played uh, eighteen and twenty seven points. And I remember watching the film of those games where he did not match up well with that big with the uh, small ball lineup, and Mo Bamba had better runs. So it's kind of interesting to think that like a parlay like that for each time a double double might correlate because the fact that Drummond's now on this team will probably help Carter play more of his game of just you know matching up with yeah. the big 
and having to run small ball. Because if you're running small ball, Mo Bamba is the stretch big you want to have out there. Like, yeah, have more of a run. So it's kind of an interesting one to think that that might be something I like sprinkle on for fun for like plus 300. I know, like it. Yeah. I mean, you brought up the stuff against Brooklyn specifically, but I just went and looked and Wendell Carter has a double double in nine out of his last 10 games. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's happening pretty much every time at the moment. So Yeah, and like I said, I think he just get, he gets, like, a better matchup against Drummond than he did against the Claxton-led, like, you know, small ball Nets team he had in the past. Yep. Love it, man. All right. Very yeah. good. So, uh, Drummond, Carter, and then uh, for me, the, the under on this game as well. Um, next up, we got Pistons at the Heat. Pistons have been playing pretty decent lately. They are uh, 12 and a half point dogs in this one. Total of 216 and a half. How do you yeah. think this one will go? This is, um, I have no clue. No, um, so this one is interesting because I was looking at certain props. Um, and obviously, any of the Pistons unders could look good against like a Heat team because this is a big pace down spot and the Heat are just such a good defensive team. Um, I was kind of looking at Jeremy Grant's under, but there was just the lines that I saw because I think Cade's at 19 and a half points, Jeremy Grant's at 18 and a half points, uh, Sadiq Bay's at 15 and a half points. I think the uh, the Pistons like to do this thing where they pick which one of the three will have 40 and the other two mm-hmm. will have nine. So I, I don't really like anything in that. Like, I'm going to look at it more because I know there's been some good trends for Jeremy Grant's under. Um, but the one thing I was looking at in this, which might turn out to be a popular play, I don't know. Um, I'm not taking this yet, but I was looking at Tyler Heroes over 20 and a half, um, 21 and a half, I mean. In those last nine, nine of his last 10 games, he scored 20 or more points, which is kind of crazy. He's on this scoring run. Because, um, like, the Heat, the Heat are a weird team where like, I'm, I'm convinced they just keep Tyler Hero on the bench so he can win six man of the year at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems he, like he plays like 38 minutes and like he's just like, yeah, I'm a bench player. Okay, like, no, but he does run a lot of the starters in the bench. He's a very talented player. Um, but yeah, he's at he's over 21 and a half in seven of his last 10. He's over 20 and a half, so right there in nine of his last 10. And against Detroit, he has 31 and 29 points against him this year. Um, because the Pistons hate playing defense. Um, but yeah, so and like his field goal volume for the season that's is at 17.4 uh, field goals per game. Um, oh, and Katie Cunningham's now uh, questionable with an illness. See, this is why I don't cap games early. Oh, he is. Wow. This came out. Like, I awesome. okay. Because now if he doesn't play, if I took Jamie Grant's under, I would have felt, like, nervous all day. For um, sure. Yeah. But, yeah, so um, he averaged four more field goal attempts against Detroit than he does, like, on the season. Um, and the Pistons are 27th ranked uh, against shooting guards. And he's just like, like he's just on, on one of those shooting runs where I would never I would not want to take it over. I mean he's under right now. Uh, I'm not sure if you follow on Twitter. Uh, do you know Devin's bookie? He's one of the bigger guys. He's yeah. really talented. Yeah, awesome guy. Um, I'll give him all the credit in the world because it's the funniest thing I think I've ever heard in my life. But I don't know if you're aware, but he bets on Tyler Hero every Tuesday. He calls okay. Um, listen. He's hilarious. We talk a lot. We talk a lot of Suns basketball. We talk a lot. Of, um, so, like, this is not me. This is a trend that I, like, found because of him. But, yeah, he bets on Tyler Hero every Tuesday. He goes on Tyler Tuesdays, and he's been doing it for a while. And this might shock you, but I'm going to, like, run through this. This is Tyler Hero's points per game on the days of the week, right? Monday, it's 19. Wednesday, it's 19.2. Thursday, 22.7. He likes the T days. 
Friday, it's 20, <laughs> 20.3. Saturday, 22. Sunday, 12. On Tuesdays, he averaged 26.5 points per game. Wow. wow. So tie to Tuesdays is a thing. Apparently, it's yeah. a real trend. I mean, you're talking four to six points more on Tuesdays than any other day of the week. That's I wild. Don't, I don't know if it means anything, but when he originally started this like as like a thing you would do, you'd have Wendell Carter Wednesdays, um, Tyler Tuesdays. I, <laughs> I try to reach out with like Fred Van Fleet Fridays, but that didn't work out because Fred Van Fleet never likes to be consistent sometimes. But yeah, so that Devin's rookie, give him a follow. Um, he didn't. He doesn't even know I'm bringing this up, but that was just like a point that I highlighted because I knew it was Tuesday. And then I looked at yeah. the track and I was like, wow, like he's got some good some good uh, history of the last 10 games. So that was the one problem. Man. Funniest track. Yeah. Let me let me throw one other prop at you just to see what your reaction is. So oh, yeah. um oh, let me pull this up here. So Detroit is third worst in the league uh at opponent rebounding. And oh, yeah. uh this is uh so Another guy that I have on sometimes, uh, DJ and Eli, he does a site that's, that, yeah. yeah, his site's great. And so one of the things that I took from his site today was uh, rebounding against, where are we at here? Against Detroit for shooting forwards. So that would be uh, PJ Tucker. And when I went and looked at PJ Tucker's game log for rebounds, like he's at six plus 50% of the time or so. And yeah. six or more is plus 144. So I was wondering about that potentially as a spot as well. Yeah, I like that. What's his, uh, what's his line today? Because it's all closed because now there's uh, – Oh, shoot. Yeah. So – We'll yeah, open it back up at like minus 180. I don't know. Yeah, what was, the, what was the line he had going? Because I know he's been rebanging a lot recently. Yeah, uh, so – well, the, the line was probably four and a half or five and a half. I just looked at the six or more, and that was plus okay, 144 yeah. for six or more. So Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking at his log right now, too. I mean, it looks like he's hitting six or under four anyway. Um, yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Yep. He's either really active or really not active, which is funny. Which is weird. Yeah, he has a game where he had one, although he only played 19 minutes in that game, too. So Yeah, I mean, P.J. Tucker's. I mean – my biggest thing with PJ Tucker too is is it'd be a matter of um, I wonder who he'd be, he'd be guarding in that game, um, like matching up on defense because I like taking like at that point I like to try to like cap on who I think the defensive matchup would be because if yeah. he's a guy mm. like aid that's taking all the shots if he's if he's closing out on the uh, perimeter he's going to be in less rebounding positions but if K doesn't play that actually may be big because yeah. Jamie. And then again, Jamie Grant chucks up a lot of shots too. The Pistons are weird, man. Like they're they're a strange team. So that I think that's going to depend because I like that prop, but I think it'll depend to see who the Pistons are even running out there now because with Cade all of a sudden with illness because illness is a weird thing too because like you don't even know how to gauge that. Like if I if I'm like tracking someone with like a sore foot, you can kind of get the beat writers and be like, oh, they're tracking the play. They practice this morning, but yeah, I don't know. Illness kind of throws a wrench in that. It does. Yeah, so that's that throws a wrench in too. Like, uh, without going into all the stats, I actually like the Pistons at earlier it was plus 13 and a half. That just feels like too much to me with the way that they've been playing and the fact that in a low scoring game, the spread is less likely to be as wide. But if Cunningham's out, that kind of 
you know, throws some some doubt on that too. I feel like, like the spread to like a thirteen point spread to me because it's back to thirteen now. Um, that, okay, that, that does kind of like in, like pique your interest only because the way the Heat play defensive grind out slow basketball. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying they can't blow out teams, but I mean that's a lot of points to give for a team that's not the Nets, like you know, flying down the court or you know, trying to like up the pace ever. Like when. When the when the Heat play with the lead, they really slow down that pace. They get Kyrie, Ly- they get Kyle Lowry back, and he's really good at slowing the pace, kind of like game management. Uh, so that just seems like a lot of points. Oh, the over under just dropped to two thirteen and a half as we were talking. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. So I wonder right. if I, I like. It's funny because I feel like they know if they're playing and they just wait on it. Like I feel like that's what happened yesterday, where I took Evan Mobley's over in points, assists, rebounds. And Karis LeVert, I was tracking his injury, and he was tracking to return Wednesday. But I, I was like, it's a little weird. The spread's as big as it is. And then all of a sudden, like an hour before the game, Karis LeVert's starting in the lineup. And I was like, you're telling me that the spread doesn't move, but like randomly they get this major pat. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, there's no way that spread should have been where it was unless he was playing. And then all of a sudden he was playing, but no one knew. And I was like, they knew. Yeah, yep, yep. There's that information, and th- yeah. that does make it seem like maybe Kate's not playing to have that drop three points, you know. Yeah, so that's crazy. yeah. All right, man. Well, let's uh let's talk about the fourth game of the day: the Suns at the Pelicans. Honestly, like out of these, maybe one I'd be interested to watch: uh, Phoenix minus six, two twenty-six and a half total on this one. Yeah, this is uh you picked a dad you picked a bad day to have me on the show uh with the Suns on the lineup. I did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah did you really? Yeah. Part. So um. <laughs> Weirdly enough, in this show, as we've been talking, I, I did take DeAndre Ayton's line at 17.5 plus 100. It just dropped to 16.5, which I obviously like more. But at the same time, when he drops 30, it won't really matter. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't like, – yeah. I mean, he does score in twos, so I do think 17.5 at plus 100 just still has good value because I'm not, like, too broken about it. But it's always a little frightening when you see, like, sharp money come in on the opposite of your line. So that's an interesting one. Maybe the fade the public today is his over, which would be great for me. Um, but no, so I always like, if you're not familiar and like people probably get like tired of it, I do bet DeAndre Aiden's over in points every single game of every single season. And there's like a reason to it because I think we've talked about like before with like modeling and like trends and I'm a big trend better. The way that he plays is actually hilariously awesome because in eight of his last 11 games so it's an 8 of 11 I, i'm bad at math but it's like 85 percent, right i think 70 78 percent yeah. something like that yeah yeah like, yeah it's like yeah 73 like 73 of the games is last 11 he's gone over his points line but the three he's missed like he's dropping like six like six <laughs> eight. and eight one of them was close but he'll have these games where his ceiling would be like you know 20 points and he'll hit you over or he'll drop six and the way that works is just it's so beautiful because his average stays so low. So yeah. Vegas, Vegas sets their line. So the, I'm not going to get too into it, but like, yeah, so I take his every day because he scored, like I said, 17 or more points. So he's hit that line, eight of his last 11, which is like a good already. But Vegas sets their line a lot on, on, um, on volume as well. So the one of the reasons I bet on him a lot is because on the season – He's only averaging – let me see. I got to make sure I got this right. Yeah, he's only averaging 12.7 field goals a game. 
So an 18 and like a 17 half line for a guy taking less than 13 shots a game, Vegas line setters, that volume's not there. Like he's not seeing the volume that you're seeing a lot of the guys. I think his most field goals in the whole year was 19 one game. Like he does not take a high volume of shots. So his yeah. line is set really lot like really low. But weirdly enough, what's not being talked about in this in this like season is that he's actually on pace for historic shooting. Um like a historic shooting season, uh, he is shooting 40% of his shots, 40%, 40% of his shots he's taken from three to 10 feet, right? Like that three to 10 feet range. So not at the rim. And he's shooting 64% from that range, which is like, that would go down as like one of the most efficient scoring seasons since Wilt Chamberlain. He's in that range of efficiency. So like, he's not getting this volume, but he's just like scoring 18 on 11 shots, like repeatedly which like is kind of crazy that you're casting these over these overs on a guy that's not really seeing his high volume. Um, yeah. Cause like there's only, there's only five starting centers in that range that like currently that have in that range are shooting over 50% and he's up there at like 64. So like that efficiency yeah. creates this amazing trend where if you bet it every day, he's hit 70% of his lines the last like season and a half. So I just put a unit on it every single game, and the long-term game has just reaped a lot of rewards. <laughs> Makes a ton of sense, man. When I was yeah. looking, he's he's over 70% from the field in eight of his last 10 games. And I mean, plenty more before that, but just to your point of how he's a, shooting. Yeah, so like people like – insanely high. It's funny because like I'm like the biggest yeah. like Deandre fan account on Twitter, but it's like people don't understand that I don't bet on – emotionally as a fan or like as a like whatever i bet on because he's made me so much money because he kind of breaks all the typical trends and props that you see like he doesn't see high field goal he doesn't like you know he doesn't have consistency in terms of like his volume on a day-to-day game-to-game basis but long term he's hitting his lines that they set like there was a point last year where he was averaging 14.8 points a game and his line was consistently 12 and a half it's the only time you see that. So for me, the long game here is just to keep playing it each game. And then it's going to, you know, eventually if Vegas ever, if Vegas ever set a line that I didn't like, I wouldn't take it, but it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, Great stuff. So uh, I have one prop to ask you about. I'm going to say like in terms of side and total on this game for me, if anything, I would take Phoenix here. McCollum's game time decision. He's probably back. But Phoenix has been playing really well, and the Pelicans have not been playing much defense either with or without McCollum. But here's the reason I'm staying away from this game is this just has the feel to me, again, of a game where both teams just show up and kind of like mess around for three quarters and then see what happens in the fourth. I could be wrong about that, but like these are the kind of games I just don't feel like there's going to be the intensity there. And and I tend to stay away from those games. So I'm not betting a side or a total on this one. Yeah. And like Um, the one thing is I would lean phoenix in a total only because they have kind of made it um clear and like terms of like the front office that they are in a weird way kind of gunning for that like season record for the suns okay but, like, like they kind of like i mentioned that like they want all the banners and, and, they, and like they're on pace to break the most wins in the regular season but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win every game or they're going to compete or like cover a spread every game but right. that is definitely one to like like I would lean that, but 
it's one of those things where the fact it's minus six had me thinking that CJ's playing because if CJ wasn't yeah, playing, I, I agree. It'd be a minus six spread or it yeah. opened minus five and a half, I think. I just yep. don't think it opened five and a half if they really thought it was going to be Ingram and, like, you know, I just don't think that's. Yeah, I mean, game. so Ingram's out. And I would say if Ingram and McCollum both played, I would line this game at like five. That's so what I'm saying. It, it feels out. like a good spread for Phoenix. Um, yeah. So the, if it was both of them out, I just didn't see this being five, five and a half, which is why I'm waiting. Agreed. Like, I'll just see what happens. But there's no way. They're missing two of their players, and they're just going to go against the Suns that have proven that they have the depth to beat, you know, the all-star Lakers, you know, by 40. So, oh, yeah. man. So good. <laughs> one, one interesting stat I did find on this game is, so it's the front end of a back-to-back for them, and this isn't against the spread, but they are 10-1 and one straight up on the front end of a back-to-back this year. So yeah. uh, it's been a good spot for them overall. So No, yeah. Anyway, uh, oh, I had one pro- other prop I wanted to throw at you because I know you're the Jay Crowder whisperer. Um, yeah. <laughs> so one of, one of the positive matchups from some of the data that I was looking at here is uh, Jay Crowder's threes against the Pelicans. Yeah, um, he's been, he's any single. thoughts on that? No, what's, <laughs> what's the line at? Is it one and a half or is so, it two and a half? Uh, it would be at one and a half, but probably juiced because I looked at three or more is plus 200, four or more is plus six. I would be so. safe and just go for like six plus. Um, that's just me, like six plus threes. That's fine, fine with that alt line. No, um, <laughs> he's been he's like that three and D guy there where it's actually interesting. I'm looking, they don't they have him listed for three and four. Um, yeah, three plus is two plus 230. Yeah, he's getting the volume from three. I mean, it's Without Chris Paul, people kind of assumed that, like, this offense would kind of fall apart and they wouldn't be able to, like, run their same PNR offense and, like, all that good stuff. But Cameron Payne has come in, and I had doubts on if he can actually make an outlet pass, but he's been looking, like, really good running that offense. I mean, it's a little bit more scattered than, like, the calm and collective Chris Paul usually is. But, like, guys are getting looks. I think Jay Crowder had, what, three threes last game oh, against the Lakers? I'll have and... to go look. I'm looking at a couple different things right now. Uh, what was the last yeah. game Chris Paul played? 216. Um, it was before the All-Star break, yeah. Yeah, so so since Chris Paul went out, I was just looking at his attempts. The first couple games, he only had three and four. But since then, he's had four yeah. twice and seven or more in every other game. Yeah, and so like the, he's generally getting a lot of volume of so, three-point shots. So Jay Crowder is a guy that I um compare. Not this is not a talent comparison. This is nothing like that. But like people when they talk about let's say um like Duncan Robinson, um it's the same kind of thing where there was a game where Jay Crowder I think went one for ten from three against Orlando. Is, and, yep, you yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. And he still won the game and it was like whatever. But like obviously you don't want to shoot one for ten. But there's a reason he shot one for 10 and not one for three is because the spacing he brings as that three and D like kind of, you know, player, he brings value to the offense by still taking those shots. So you can feel like comfortable taking his threes in a good matchup, like the Pelicans where he's hit two and I think three already against him this year because he will take the volume because that's his role in the offense. Like you won't see many games where he'll shoot 0 for two from three because his role is to spread the floor out. And if you're spreading the floor out in a PNR offense, eventually you'll get switches and you'll get open looks. Yep. 
Yeah, and I mean, also in the last 10 games, he's shot 40% or better from three in eight out of the 10. So yeah, yeah. he has had a couple bad games, like you said, the one for 10, not good, but... It's a high variance prop, but the volume is the, what, what really matters. Yep. All right, cool. Um, this is me trying to be the the newbie, throwing some uh, from some prop stuff in oh, here. God. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I want before we go, um, you have a pretty sweet nine and zero record going right now that lots of people on yeah. Twitter are excited about. So talk it's, to us about it. It's funny because um, no one really cares about my capping anymore or like my actual props. They all. <laughs> Everyone just talks about the fact that I'm just doing this stupid thing. Now, um, yeah, I kind of touched on it a little bit. I'm going to touch on it a little bit later because I'm going to like put out a video because basically it just, you know, running I'm, – I'm like a stockbroker for, for the prop value right now. And I, I run my own prediction model and I run my own, you know, projection for players and their projected lines. But I've noticed as a trend in the NBA basically that whenever – a large like you know market size or a large like even if you just scroll on twitter you see a lot of people in the same play it always seems to be like missing a lot so i basically have just been running you know my projected expected value on certain lines not based off the line itself but just based off the line movement because um the perfect example it was jay crowder which is funny you brought him up because jay crowder against the lakers he opened 10 and a half minus 110 both sides and then he ended um, 11 and a half minus one tempo sides. And I picked that line as my under 11 and a half. And people kind of were like, not outraged, but they were like, oh, I see more people on this guy, or I see this one more popular. And popularity is part of it. But basically, I'm trying to find the expected value that like has shifted over because of the line movement. Because for a guy like Jay Crowder, like we talked about, he's taking a large quantity of threes. And you'll, I think he's averaging under two. Um, two-point attempts a game so mm. it's like the the expected value you're getting at over 10 and a half and under 11 and a half is like a huge swing it doesn't yeah, seem like that yeah. it's like a lot of people are like oh this guy likes 10 and a half what's a what's one more point but like in terms of line movement and like the mathematical like value you get in a certain line that one point shift was like the highest rated shift i've i, I had on the board and he ended at 11 which People thought it was like magic that I said like 11 was a pivot point and he ended at 11. It's not magic. It's really just math and expected value. But it was actually really cool for me to see him end at 11 because it was kind of like the like the cherry on top of like this whole thing I was trying to do. Because at first, I think people thought I was just trying to be like like an awful like like D-bag that was like taking their unders just for like fun. But that's not really what it is. It's not like a capping experiment. It's not a like a screw your play experiment. It's just like a experiment based off, you know, line movement and expected value based off the opening line. Because if you have Vegas setting a line and it gets inflated to a point, eventually the value crosses over where it provides value for the under. So that's a lot of nerd stuff. I mean, um, I was always a guy that played like, you know, all the sports in school, but people thought because I was like that guy that like was like a jock or whatever, I didn't have a brain. But like quietly, I was like also the uh, the GPA booster on the bench, you know. Like <laughs> I was like a GPA booster that actually played, so it was a good it was a good balance in my college career. And got all the girls, and I mean, no, just no, actually, it, right? they, all, they all ran away. They all. Oh, ran away. okay, yeah. okay. Well, that's more of a personality thing. It was it was more of um, 
personality and looks. They they didn't like the combination. No one really does. But other than that, it's astounding. Know, yeah, astounding. it's astounding. Yeah, they missed out. That's what my mom always told me. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, hey, uh, thanks for thanks for jumping back on today. Uh, anything you want to say about where it's best for people to find you or kind of what you're doing these days? No, just like I mean, just throw like a stone in the water, and then see what see what comes out. Like, uh, no, I'm on Twitter right there. Same thing, Brian versus the books. Um, yeah, I mean, I post all my plays on Twitter. Um, I'm in, you know, uh, JD's Discord, which is like another thing I do with. Where that, that's more prop projections I'm doing. Um, so yeah, all the t- tweets um, I make, like I tweet all my plays for free. Um, I track everything. Uh, so basically, like the one thing with me is like I'm a very eval grinder. All singles. I don't really do many parlays, but um, you'll just make sure that like I'll never be the guy that, like will post something after the fact and be like, "Can you believe I hit this?" Like, yeah, <laughs> so everything I play personally, I'll, I'll tweet out. Yeah, it's awesome, man. So yeah, definitely look Brian up online. So I I have been playing uh, a few bigger parlays, especially on UFC. And the one time, like, I hate when people do it after the fact, too. And, you know, oh, it was late at night, no. whatever. And I hit a big one and I posted it the oh. next morning. But the next morning, I literally felt like shit. So I woke up and I was like, guys, I shouldn't have posted this. That's exactly what I said. I don't like people doing yeah. so, You know, it was kind of dumb. But this is, why, this is why I don't win bets. So that way no one can hate me. You know, like, yeah. if I, if I never win, then no one can get on my case. So that's why yeah. I'm going uh, for just like funny. a very low average chance. Oh, that's funny. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for jumping back back on, man. It's good to see you, and uh, hope everybody has a good day. And I'm sure both of us will be uh, talking to you on Twitter. All right, sounds good. All right, have a good one, everybody.